In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson this week on the show alex coulomb ceo of heaven you a new platform for xr performance that made its debut this past year in a collaboration with the actors theater of louisville and Catherine Yu will have your headlines but first a quick note we're spinning up the online events here at NoPro once again, starting with the NoPro Book Club, which will be discussing the seminal snow crash on March 15th in our Discord. That's going to be led by review crew reviewer Blake Weil, our East Coast curator. Check the show notes for the RSVP on that session. We've also got a number of AMAs, seminars, salons, and workshops on deck we'll start announcing next week, including a new limited class size edition of our Publicity 101 for Immersive Creators. This one is going to be limited to just 10 participants per two-hour session, leaving plenty of time for Q&A and feedback. Keep an eye on our feeds next week for the sign-up for that, which will kick off in late March. And there'll probably be a couple of other announcements next week as we get a few more things on the board in the weeks ahead. And if you are wondering, yes, Patreon backers will get discounts on paid sessions, which means there has never been a better time to back us at NoPro. This is a make or break month for us, and we still need to get the needle moving in the right direction as we are 100% backer supported here in all we do. Patreon.com slash NoPersinium. And a quick thanks to our sustaining backers, Ari Herstan, Brittany, Deborah Robinson, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentis, David Bassick, Lonnie Hanson, Mark Baltazar, Samuel Mustry, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. And without further ado, here's Catherine with your headlines. This is Catherine Yu, Executive Editor of No Proscenium, and here's what's in your immersive headlines for February 25th. The big news in immersive entertainment this week is the much-anticipated grand opening of Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. It's happening on March 1st. That said, a number of influencers and other media have already been trying out the two-night immersive experience in the past week. The embargo for Galactic Star Cruiser lifts today, Friday, February 25th, so I'm sure that video essays and think pieces are probably circulating around the internet as you listen to this very recording. But regardless of critical response to the project, I do think it's safe to say that the world of themed entertainment will never be the same again. The Producers Guild of America has announced their Innovation Award nominees for 2022. The PGA Innovation Award recognizes the production of a noteworthy, impactful new media program that significantly elevates the audience's viewing experience. Projects span the spectrum across AR, VR, experiential, and other forms of emerging media, and the winner will be announced on March 14th. Past winners of the PGA Innovation Award include BRCVR and Beta Immortal. Elsewhere in the metaverse, Sony has finally revealed additional design details for the eagerly awaited PSVR 2, though we don't yet have a release date or expected price. However, Sony's new VR headset will work with the PS5 and include features like haptic feedback, 
eye tracking, 4K HDR, and a field of view of 110 degrees while connecting to that PS5, should you be able to find one, via USB-C cable. It's worth noting that the original PSVR came out over five years ago in 2016, and wow, hasn't the world of VR changed? And lastly, on a more serious note, an investigation from the BBC has put the spotlight on social VR platforms for lack of moderation. A researcher entered VRChat posing as a 13-year-old girl and became a witness to inappropriate sexual content, racist insults, and more while in VR. Says social VR researcher Lance Powell Jr., though this isn't a problem unique to VRChat or even unique to VR as a whole. Even platforms like Second Life and text-based games have experienced these issues in the past. Says Powell, quote, where there are humans, there is human behavior, and you can mitigate the problem, but you will never win, end quote. These have been your immersive headlines. When toiling in the fields of Twitter and surfing the general World Wide Web, there are a few people I find to be more knowledgeable about the intersection of XR and live immersive than Alex Coulomb. He is an architect turned X-architect. CEO of Heaven You is his latest title, and that's what he's here to talk to us about today, this platform he has been building that connects performers with audiences across the metaverse, leveraging the cloud architecture to bring some high-res real-time action to even Quest headsets. Uh, the project was announced in November, and they held their first shows with the Actors Theater of Louisville. The theater world knows that name real well. Uh, the show was A Christmas Carol, Scrooge's Ghost Encounter, Alive in VR. Joining us now is Alex. Hi. Hello. Hello. New format on the intros, uh, and uh, that one that was an okay take. So we're going to keep that. Um, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, Alex. Um, gosh, you're 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 everywhere. Uh, you're you're like the Roy Kent of XR immersive. <laughs> um, you know, you're part of the Fifth Wall Forum. Uh, you teach people how to use Unreal. You design virtual shows. Uh, you've been part of Onboard XR, and now. Here's this this heaven you thing. So before we dive too deep into heaven you, um, how do you how do you get into all this? What's what's the story? This is the first time we've had you on the show, even though you know we've known each other for a few years now. Yeah, this has been a long time coming. And let me start by saying I'm thrilled uh, and honored to be here as a, a longtime No Pro listener and supporter. Um, this this is such a treat. So uh, probably easy. Well, we kept to on take... trying to have you at like our event, and our event kept getting <laughs> destroyed by uh, the pandemic. Yeah. So twice now. Uh, so. You tried so hard for a while. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I I think it's worth to just peek all the way back to high school real quick, just to say that um, in high school, I started uh, writing my own shows and always had a really strong interest in how technology could start to um, inform a creative vision. In that case, my creative vision. But as time went on, I also started to uh, get really excited about building tools that could help other people out as well. So in college, um, I was a co-founder of a theater group within the architecture school at Syracuse called uh, What, which was short for Warehouse Architecture 
theater because we took over a warehouse for our rehearsals and shows. And I, I started to really enjoy finding different software and programs that could do everything from projection mapping to more interactive ways of dealing with the world. And then by uh, 2009, when I started working on my architecture thesis, I was taking Fort J on Governor's Island, south of New York City, and converting it into this speculative $4 billion uh, immersive theater venue where you would take a submarine to the middle, and then you'd have stages all around you and all these different plot lines that were intersecting with each other. And I actually used augmented reality back in 2009 as a way to uh, show people what it would feel like to be inside of that theater, just simple marker-based AR with a webcam. Uh, and then I started working for some architecture firms. And by 2013, I was at Fisher Dax Associates Theater Planning and Design, designing theaters all over the world, big and small, um, local in New York City, doing a lot with Lincoln Center and the Park Avenue Armory and the Atlantic Theater and uh, the public and cool places like that. And soon uh, we were using virtual reality to actually design the venues and look at, you know, what if we swap out these different seating options and railing options and materials and different elements on stage. Um, working on Kenneth Branagh's Macbeth at the Park Avenue Armory was the first time I got to actually really try using VR for um, looking at everything from where people would be seated to, okay, we're going to have 100 actors in this production because it's kind of Game of Thrones live. Um, what might it look like to have them move across the room and start to block them out differently and, and change some of the locations of the set design? And by uh, 2018, Agile Lens, my XR Creative Studio, had been formed, and we started to do a lot more studies into live performance. Um, Agile Lens was hired for these things, but we brought on a lot of incredible collaborators, um, David Gotchfeld and Kevin Labson and Kira Benzing and uh, Mark Sternberg and Laura Bucare and, and so many different people who came together to start to explore, um, starting in high fidelity when it was a social VR platform and later mm. uh, VR chat, Rec Room, Alt Space, uh, Mozilla Hubs, all these different ways of seeing what makes a virtual performance compelling, particularly one that uses virtual reality in everything from the avatars you select to the audience performer dynamic to what level of control do you exercise over things like uh, muting the audience? And uh, and then, you know, wh where does the uncanny valley start to come into all this and where does a performer feel like they are able to uh, broadcast the level of performance that they they want to to feel like it's it's actually them? What's great about your CV is you've touched pretty much everything and anything you might want someone to touch in order to be making really smart decisions about how this stuff should work, right? Whether that's, you know, everything you just outlined, right? Using VR to design live theater spaces and then kind of reverse engineering that experience into, okay, but what does a virtual theater space look like? You mentioned on the platforms that you've uh, dealt with as part of Agile Lens. Uh, what led you to um, creating Heavenue? What, where where was the where was the need that you saw um, when it came to using all that other stuff? Well, you're positioning it exactly correctly. It was a need. It wasn't like we just thought it would be fun to uh, create another platform. It's that as we were using, in particular, all these social VR platforms to create shows, we kept butting up against the walls of the fact that these were not made for uh, doing live performances. And there's problems with um, you know, scaling up to larger audiences and making sure that um, a performer or producer or showrunner or stage manager has the level of control over a show that they need to. Um, there's the fact that all of these social platforms are targeting 
very low-end hardware, in particular something like an Oculus Quest, uh, the first generation, because you actually do need to be able to allow things to be playable on that. Um, and that's a mobile chipset, so you know it's not that powerful. And then um, just things like performance capture, like you can do some pretty cool things with um, uh, full body capture using like Vive trackers and that sort of thing. But we also were talking to uh, companies that wanted to use Xsense suits and um, and Vicon and OptiTrack and wanted a, a really compelling way to be able to get that into a show. So having you grew out of a need to allow a lot more customization and fidelity for performers in particular and allow them to put on the kinds of shows for audiences that they felt they couldn't do right now, especially in a virtual context. How did that then become working with Actors Theater Louisville? Because yes. that that's absolutely fascinating to me that like that theater company, which for people on the XR side who maybe not know, like if, if you come up in theater in America, you know, uh, obviously a lot of people like they focus on Broadway and, you know, everyone wants to go to Yale drama and there, you know, are some really big regional theaters that, that have influence like Berkeley rep in the Bay area, or you think about, you know, the Oregon Shakespeare festival, if you're a West coast person, but the actors theater of Louisville right there in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, is just storied and has been for, you know, a couple of generations now. It's, it's, it's a critical part of, you know, America's theater identity. Yeah, I'm so glad you were able to provide that context because uh, for those who don't know, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible uh, theater organization. And it really was the stars aligning how this came together because I first met um, Robert Barry Fleming, the executive artistic director, pardon me. <clears throat> um, I first met Robert Barry Fleming, the executive artistic director back in 2019 at the Theater Communications Group Conference in Miami. I've been kind of uh, TCG's XR curator for a few years. And we had a, a bunch of demos sh set up with uh, with Magic Leap. And uh, we had Brandon Powers there doing some cool stuff uh, with, with spatial and choreography. And Kevin Leibson and I were uh, showing everyone the high fidelity, alive in plastic land stuff. And so Robert came through and was really taken with these experiments we were doing. Um, we had a piece called That Kind of Guy starring Josephine Simple inside the Magic Leap that was like a little tabletop theater element that was performance capture through both um, motion capture and volumetric capture using depth kit. And that was an educational tool as well as an artistic one to say, hey, here's some of the differences with what you get with a volumetric capture versus performance capture, um, head retargeting different avatars, uh, how much it actually looks like uh, the person and, and capturing things like cloth physics in a baked way, all, all these different pros and cons. And that's that's a longer discussion. That could be a whole uh, interview just about why certain capture methods are better than others. But he basically said that he'd love to find an opportunity for Actors Theatre of Louisville to start to play in the sandbox. And we very lightly kept in touch, like one email a year up until uh, about August of last year, where I actually got emailed out of the blue by uh, Zachary there, who actually uh, basically said, we're thinking about doing this production of Christmas Carol in December, and we thought it would be really exciting to use motion capture as part of that production. And then I kind of paused and said, and you want to do something in VR? And he's like, well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I think we just want to play with motion capture. We got this uh, motion capture suit, and we just want to put our actors into it and see what we can do. And uh, Robert, the director, had this, this wonderful idea of Scrooge seeing the other 
and also seeing himself in that. So all the ghosts, Marley and, and past, present, and future are all having these um, ethnicities of being underserved minorities, but then also having a facial capture element that could be taken from performance capture where his performance and his face and his likeness also finds its way into those ghosts. And he thought performance capture would be a fun way to explore that. So originally the idea was just, can Agile Lens help out with uh, the actual physical production in the, the theater in Louisville. And I said, yes, we can absolutely do that. But also we're in the very early stages of putting together this platform that could allow this production to reach a much wider audience rather than just these 2D uh, projections of the ghosts inside your theater. We could actually take all the motion capture data and all the performances and then allow people to be inside virtual reality and feel like they are right there with, with Scrooge and Marley. And so they got very excited about that idea. And it became this, this wonderful case study because they do incredible work, but they're in Kentucky and they have a very limited physical audience for who gets to see uh, the work that they're doing during any given season. So Heaven You was the first opportunity for them to expand out to a much wider audience beyond what um, Zoom theater and some of the more standard kinds of virtual theater were allowing for. This allowed for a really up close and virtual, as we like to say, kind of production. So Ari Tar then started to, uh, to come on board because he loves uh, Scrooge and is a, a storied Ractor in his own right for many years. He's had companies and, and worked with Adventure Lab. And we decided that if we could find a really good Scrooge avatar, then that could pair well uh, with a lot of the production elements that were going to be happening physically on the stage in Louisville, as well as uh, how that might translate into virtual reality. And I could keep going into the depths of that, but I, I want to hear what, what you'd like to hear about next, Noah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you mentioned Ari, and was Ari playing a character in the in-person show with a motion capture, or was that just for the VR uh, experience? Yeah, so for this entire production, um, and, and like you know, Ari and I have never actually met before in real life. Right. We were going to meet uh, at, at um, the, the Next Stage Summit for the first time. We were so excited for that. But Ari was in Oregon the entire production. I was in New York City the entire production, and everyone in Louisville was doing their own thing in Louisville the entire production. So there was uh, Greg Maupin, who played um, the actual Scrooge in real life actor, down there and also did some motion capture for the ghosts. And then basically Ari, as a, a separate actor up in, in his home in Oregon, got to play virtually live against those recordings of the ghost. Mm. So when, just so I'm tracking properly, so when the virtual setup was, uh, Ari was playing opposite the other actor's ghost performances and then when the ghost performances were happening on stage so basically in a sense there was it, the role was effectively double cast there was a virtual yes. cast and there was a, a live cast right with some overlapping elements and, and some of those gotcha. performances were in both yep yeah well but i mean it makes a lot of sense you know if you've got because that's always a fascinating thing about how this stuff has evolved you know you think back to the kind of multimedia work that was happening you know, 20, 25 years ago, um, and, or almost, almost 30 years ago at this rate, like I, I can flash back to like mid nineties multimedia theater stuff and how painful it often was. Uh, and, and yet now, and particularly I think in the last 10 years, and that's the scary thing is how long it takes for this stuff to bake, you know, watching the work of say like a cloud eye control or, um, a dandy punk, 
and seeing as they're playing with, um, you know, uh, projection mapping and, and, and a performer, you know, matching their live performance to pre-recorded projection mapped material. Um, and then you bring in some of the XR tools to allow there to be uh, real-time dialogue physically between a performer in a space and motion capture. You, you see the RSC has done a lot of work around that, uh, both for like mm. live productions and in VR. There's just been such a maturation of the tool set, uh, but it the ideas may be simple, right? Like you may be trying to solve for something like, well, well, can I get this like live performer just interact with these digital ghosts? Like how hard can mm-hmm. that be? And then <laughs> find out it's like very, very hard. Um, how, how did, you know, I mean, obviously you, you built a tool to realize this performance, realize this virtual performance. Um, when the decision to make it a business so that that dates back closer to May, and it really grew out of two things. One was um, seeing what the RSC did with Dream, which I loved. My only uh, strong desire there was I, I wished I could have been inside of that experience live, particularly in VR. I wanted to be inside that beautiful world the RSC had crafted and started to think about what it would take to make that possible. The other thing, just tying London into this as much as possible, is over the past decade, I keep thinking about what it was like when I was studying abroad and had this professor who was able to get us like right up close in the first three rows to music and dance and theater and, and so many different incredible shows and what a rarefied kind of experience that was. And I've never had anything like that since, even being in New York City, uh, because the tickets here are much more expensive. But I, I kept wondering if there was a way that we could start to use modern technology, especially when you start to get into things like cloud computing, to allow us to get very, very close to a high fidelity performance capture of an incredibly talented performer who's in their element and to really feel like you're right there with them. So the platform element came out of saying, okay, well, we don't want people to have to worry about uh, optimizing things as much. So what if we start using cloud computers and we give everyone, you know, RTX A6000s, like $8,000 GPUs? And what if we start to build out like a multiplayer system that just works out of the box and a queuing system that makes it very easy to have uh, light queues and set queues and costume changes? And these tools are all still being built out. They're no, by no means like a, like a one-click solution kind of setup right now, but that's what we're headed towards, is we're trying to get to that point where anyone uh, who either has no technical background at all, or at least is coming from the traditional world of theater and has some sense of um, you know, a run of show and the kinds of things that need to happen, how those skills can, can then start to translate into crafting a show and having you. But the goal is to be able to allow someone to decide on a whim, hey, uh, I want to test out this this one-person show I'm working on in a week, and they can hop on heavenyou.io and set up uh, some venue and a couple characters and figure out how they're going to do their performance capture and be ready to go in about five minutes. On the other end of the spectrum, though, we certainly want to serve the, the you know, um, 
punch drunk and, and larger kinds of organizations that might want to really get into the weeds with customizing every single moment and interaction. And by building on top of Unreal Engine, we're really able to do that because there's so many tools inside Unreal Engine, most of which are actually made for film and games and situations where you are, are processing these things later. So a lot of the value of what we're working on has to do with making these things work live and not requiring any, any processing after the fact. I'm going to start drilling in a little bit here. So you yeah. know, one of the things you mentioned is that this is being delivered via the cloud um, and that someone's firing up a virtual machine in order to get this into the, the audience's hands. Um, how how much has this been uh, a critical part of being able to conceive of this being a product at all? Uh, and how would you kind of explain what's going on for people who maybe like aren't familiar, uh, particularly because it sounds like magic. <laughs> and yet if you're like, if you're like me and you're someone who says maybe uses Xbox cloud gaming to like play a PC game on something that is definitely, definitely not a PC, uh, you start to realize how far the tech has come. Right. Absolutely. So the, the core idea here is that we have much more powerful computers in the cloud than anything most people would have locally. And so when you're, you're cloud streaming to uh, someone's Chromebook or their phone or their, their Oculus Quest or MetaQuest or Facebook Quest or whatever we're calling it these days, that, that device only needs to process a video signal. And all it needs to send back is input. It says, I'm turning my head or I'm pressing this trigger button. And as long as your latency is low enough, and as long as your internet connection is relatively stable, then you can start to maintain this kind of connection. And so with, you know, Stadia and GeForce Now and Xbox Cloud Gaming, that's fairly straightforward because you're just trying to get back a single video feed. VR is much trickier. And so Heaven You is building out tools to make that as uh, clean as possible, as simple as possible. Right now we're utilizing NVIDIA Cloud XR, which is piggybacking on a lot of the technology that uh, GeForce Now uses. And it does very cool things like prioritizing your bandwidth to make sure you don't feel sick. You know, if you're turning your head uh, and your internet connection starts to wonk out, it's going to lower the resolution of what you're seeing, but it's going to make sure that your body motions are still keeping up as much as possible with everything else. So we, we found very few people um, actually feel sick in these experiences, even if their internet isn't at that 50 Mbps that we'd like to recommend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of it. Like it, it is really kind of incredible. Um, you know, I, I, over the weekend, I dove back into um, Xbox cloud gaming and first was like shocked at how many things were up on the cloud now. Uh, and while you get, there can be a little bit of a, almost like a, a, a fog to the way things are rendering, um, depending on how the bandwidth is going, it is shocking how performance responsive this cloud streaming technology has gotten, uh, which honestly is probably more limited by our local bandwidth. Uh, and the the local internet internet infrastructure than it is by the actual processing technology itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, we think we are a little bit early to the table with this, and internet yeah. hopefully will continue to improve and and widen the audience what can happen here. But it feels like the future to us. Yeah, well, I mean, is that though like a problem and a choke point, 
when it comes to like the last mile in, internet stuff. Like it's it. I don't think people know how much streaming video and now game streaming is really pushing the envelope on what local internet is capable of and, and what people are expecting. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's intense, you know, like we could not do this stuff a few years ago. And, and there's also big parts of the country where we can't do this stuff right now. Um, but, but do from a, from a technology standpoint, and as you're observing uh, in your role as a technologist, is that infrastructure being built out enough to make this really viable? You say you're, you know, you feel like you're early uh, and I would, agree with that assessment but is is the is the impetus there to get this last mile stuff in place right now yes i think so i mean exactly what you just brought up there's a lot of uh pushing for this technology on other fronts totally unrelated to theater and live performance and vr a a lot of it having to do with gaming and a lot of it having to do with uh enterprise cloud delivery uh through other kinds of pixel streaming needs and machine learning um the cloud infrastructures keep growing i mean the company we're working with is expanding their servers at an alarming rate um, around the world and we've also started to look at ways that you can start to um tap multiple companies and multiple providers to make sure that you're uh offering as wide coverage as possible not to mention we're also in conversations right now with a couple 5g providers and you know 5g is that thing that everyone keeps saying all the time is going to be useful and maybe it will be and maybe it won't but in terms of coverage and reaching as wide a variety of people as possible um we are already finding that there's a lot of places that are not well served by um stable you know local isps but we can actually get a pretty decent 5g signal too if not to the level of being capable for vr at least for you know browser-based pixel streaming and still having that level of an interactive experience but focusing on the sort of the consumer side of this for a hot minute to flip back around to the creator side you mentioned that obviously you're interested in working with like big companies like you know punch drunk and i'm sure like other you know some ip holders who are playing around this space uh but you you talked about how folks could like tap into this service and just get things stood up in about five minutes so how does how does one how approachable is it for say someone who maybe you know owns the requisite equipment but hasn't really done this sort of thing before Right. At the moment, all the partners we're working with right now have some familiarity with Unreal Engine because Heaven You essentially exists in two forms. One is as an Unreal Engine template that accepts you know, your data, and then uh, you can start to use what we have to build out multiplayer and queuing and your uh, performance captured through all the inputs and outputs that Unreal Engine has. But then the second part of Heaven You is then when you essentially upload that executable to the cloud and then can in theory, infinitely replicate VMs that everyone can connect to, to experience that show in exactly the the fidelity that you want it to be experienced. Alex, what do you, what do you hope to see get made with Heaven You? My hope is actually, as much as people like to talk about how excited they are for giant spectacles and, uh, and really going crazy with all the wonderful features Unreal Engine offers, um, I'm most excited at this particular moment about seeing how minimal we can get. I want to get to that point where someone who's incredibly talented, who let's say no one even knows about them. Here's here's kind of the dream. Someone who no one knows about, some undiscovered talent, decides on a whim to do a show in Heaven You. And they go and design a metahuman at metahumancreator.unrealengine.com. And that takes them five minutes and they're happy with how that looks. 
and then they plug in um, either through like a, a webcam-based motion capture system or, or some other one they have access to. And then a few people show up and they are just watching this person go through a little script they're working on. Maybe they're even acting out different parts and they're workshopping something, but there's just a spark there and there's a magic to it. And there might not be any cues yet. There might not be any set design, but you're getting the fidelity of, of at least the facial capture starting to come through, through like a free app, like live link face. And you just start to feel this magic. Like you're there for the beginning of something really special and you're seeing the light change behind that performer's eyes as they're moving through um, these characters and these moments and these plot beats and the intimacy that that can bring with it and the the, the connection to something being born and, and starting to grow and the encouragement that might come from a small audience starting to see that there's something there and then the feedback loop that gets created and then seeing something like that grow uh, in heaven you from, from something that's very early and being workshopped into a full-fledged production. Uh, that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm really dreaming of. And that's the kind of hope that I have for where we might be in, in a year or five years or 10 years. Alex, for folks who want to connect with you and who maybe want to start playing around inside of Heaven You, uh, who who should be reaching out and uh, how do they get a hold of you? Right. So at the moment, uh, I would say if you want to reach out, definitely make sure you have some level of Unreal Engine knowledge or you'll feel a little bit in the weeds. Um, but if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, either way, go to heavenyou.io. Um, you can email me, alex at heavenyou.io, if you just want to chat and discuss possibilities and futures. Um, we are, in fact, still taking like contracts for, for larger shows um, that Agile Lens then fills out. So I've kind of got this, this two-pronged thing going on right now. Heavenyou is the platform being built, which is meant to, to scale and have tools that people can use on their own. Agile Lens still exists as an XR creative studio. Uh, so Actors Theater, for example, hired Agile Lens to design the sets and the content and the characters and the interactions that they wanted for the show. And then Heaven You was there to accept <laughs> that ultimate executable and, and then distribute it to the audiences. So certainly if someone out there uh, wants to talk about uh, partnering for the content creation side, even if they aren't too technically uh, competent, then that is totally fine and exciting. And frankly, I just love to have these kinds of conversations. So anyone who even just has a wild idea and wants to play around with what's possible, uh, certainly give me a ring. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, folks can find all this uh, at heavenu.io. We'll have a link in the show notes. And Alex, I'm sure we'll have you, we'll have another conversation with you at some point, like looking at some of the big pictures of all this uh, down the road. Yeah. This is great, Noah. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Alex for being our guest on the show this week. You can check out uh, more from Alex, not only at uh, heavenyou.io, but you can find him on Twitter at ibrews, I-B-R-E-W-S. And he's going to be speaking at GDC about Heaven You on the VR track on March 21st. Uh, Samantha Gorman is going to be uh, over on the VR track as well, talking about the under presents uh, during GDC. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And there's going to be so much more coming out of that shop. Also want to thank Catherine uh, for uh, jumping back into the headlines seat this week. 
as she mentioned, yes, today is the embargo uh, lift for Galactic Star Cruiser. No, we do not have a review. We we are we're a small operation, and the Empire uh, we like it that way. The Empire doesn't notice us, uh, and I just made a deal that'll keep them. No, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I need to do that with uh, with the Lando voice, uh, and then you'll then you'll know the reference. Yeah, you know the knew the reference. No, it's uh, it's been interesting. I've kept myself mostly on blackout uh, when it comes to information, but I did flip through a bunch. I'm not reading too much into what's going on, but I couldn't quite help myself. Um, it was exciting to see Michael Tara Garver, uh, you know, dear friend, a member of the board of the Immersive Experience Institute, which is our parent organization, um, uh, to see Michael in one of the videos that Disney Parks released this week as we roll in, talking about the immersivity of it all. Um, and it's been really fascinating as I flip through and I chat with people uh, to see the range of reactions. Um you know, it's it's not a done deal. Uh, for some people, it's it's looking like a slam dunk. For others, they're they're really doing the sticker shock thing. They're like, you know, they're they're anyway. Uh, it's going to be a full range. And but I, I think one of the things that's really interesting uh, going through the reactions is that there are some people that this is really clicking with in like that deep way that immersive clicks with people. And, you know, once you've got them, you've got them. Uh, it does seem to be that there's a bit of uh, the the Dagobah effect, you know, the tree. You know, what will you find? Only what you take with you. Uh, and so, like, flipping through, like, a, re a reaction where it's like, I don't know why these people were, like, telling me, like, their backstory. This is weird when they're just guests, right? So some people are going to, like, go in and full LARP. And it's, it's going to be – it's it's very interesting. It's really, really interesting. Uh, to see how this is going to land, particularly because it there's so few people that can go through at a time. Uh, when will I go? I don't know. I beg for money every week on the internet. You think I? <laughs> like I'm definitely into into. It's if I had the cash in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, I'd go and 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 break it all down for for all of you in depth. Um, but you know, uh, past couple of years haven't exactly been easy on anybody. So, uh, what a, what an incredible, uh, what an incredible situation. Um, also while we're in the middle of, oh, you know, there, there's a land war in Europe right now. So it's all very strange. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big, big week of news. Um, world's changing left and right and center. Uh, a lot of it, right world changing right um like you, you know what i'm saying not i'm not saying it's changing in the right way <laughs> oh boy i'm not saying that um all right uh nevertheless uh drop into the discord uh let's chat some uh you know uh i might even like throw up in uh, some some chat time there um Check it. We are starting up new cycles of AMAs. I'm very interested if you are a show creator and you're interested in doing a little postmortem action on your work or uh, maybe, uh, you know, just, just going into your process a bit uh, and you want to uh, see what our community uh, wants to talk to you about, uh, hit me up. Uh, write us at pitches at nopersinium.com uh, and we will get you into the AMA schedule. Uh, figuring we're going to do one, maybe two of those a week going forward, all in our Discord. Um, um, you know, some of the other stuff uh, that's coming up, 
uh, one of my favorite uh, performers. Uh, we're talking about both an AMA and a workshop on uh, some pretty intense topics. Uh, we're we're going to get the dates negotiated next week. I'm looking at doing a immersive 101 seminar series uh, that will possibly kick off starting in April. That's in addition to the publicity 101 seminar, uh, which is going to be a tight group. And yeah, we're, we're just starting to, to roll back up here. Part of this is indeed trying to figure out how to make all of this pay for itself. And we've got a lot of knowledge and experience here. Also, uh, there is just, you know, there's consulting. I'll be putting the consulting shingle out there. Uh, Everything from Q&A to uh, early design uh, chats, all that's going to be available. And again, Patreon backers get discounts on that. And indeed, people at the higher level of the Patreon, uh, they they have access to consulting time, uh, which some of them take advantage of and s- some of them don't. So if you are one of those higher level backers and you want to take advantage of it, uh, don't forget, that's one of your perks. So could be that no one wants uh, to get my opinion on stuff. But I'm going to tell you, um, the earlier you can get a critical eye in to your work, uh, there's a lot of mistakes uh, that people make, some basic stuff uh, that uh, we can catch before it goes out the door. Uh, and we we want to see better work in the world uh, because the better work there is, the stronger the work is, uh, the more work gets made. This is about shifting the culture uh, at the end of the day. And that happens inch by inch and heart by heart. All right. We've done the thanks to our sustaining backers who really do keep us alive. So once again, thank you to all of our sustaining backers at patreon.com slash no proscenium. The associate producer for this podcast is Parker Sella. Music for No Proscenium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Special thanks to Siobhan Lachlan for voicing our intro. Catherine Yu is the executive editor at NoPro and does our headlines. And this podcast, of course, is all my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, thank you for wearing the mask. <laughs>